0: Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. All right, you guys hear me okay? Good, good. We're going to dive in. So I'm not stressed out. We're probably going to go a little long today. So ready your heart so I'm not worried about the clock as we're going along. I will, uh, we will try to be quick. Um, Let me see where I'm at here. So I, I can't remember how long ago it was, maybe, maybe a month or so. Somewhere along the way, we've been you know, revisiting the foundations for Bethel, Atlanta, um, mining that word from Paul Manwaring, uh, and one of the things that uh, I think Lauren just said was just t- talked about repentance. you guys remember that? How many who were here for that message? Raise your hand. Yeah, good. Okay, good chunk of us. <clears throat> so... Um, yeah, she, she kept kind of had, she had some encounters with the Lord where the Lord was just like, you know, reminding her about repentance. She was repenting and feeling um, instant peace when she did. And so I, I kind of felt to just kind of piggyback off of that word a little bit and, and kind of unpack it a little bit. Um, I, I want to I kind of go through and give, it'll be a little bit of a teaching, some exhortation and, a, and then a, a challenge. Does that sound good? I like to challenge, so that's typical for me. So you, you get used to it. <clears throat> uh, so I think when we start talking about repentance or pretty much anything in general, in terms of like our Christian walk, we've got to remember what the goal is. The goal is that we become Christ-like. Amen. Right, Taiwo, well, we, He knows. Anybody else? The goal is that we become Christ-like, right? We hear lots of verses uh, throughout the scripture where Paul, uh, specifically Paul and others as well, but talk about, um, you know, Paul says, I, I labor until Christ is formed in you, right? He challenges us to take on the mind of Christ, that Jesus would get his full reward. We sang about it this morning. So the, 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 just kind of like set the stage a little bit so we're on the same page, that the goal is that we become Christ-like. Now, I'm not there yet. I know that's a surprise to most of you. <laughs> but I'm not there. I don't, I don't know that any of us are. Can we have that? Can we? We're just creating a baseline. We're good, right? We're, we, we're, the goal is to be Christ-like, and we're not there. Which in, in the, it tells us <laughs> that we are on a journey of growing to become Christ-like in this process of we are not Christ-like yet, right? Paul says it in Corinthians, for now I see in part, now I know in part, and then I shall be known, know, then I shall know fully as even as I am fully known, right? We're kind of in, in, everything's in part right now. So we're not fully, we're not, we aren't Christ, even though Christ is in us, yeah. he hasn't fully come out and is expressed out, outside of us yet, Right? This is the tension between I'm complete and full, lacking nothing, and yet I am utterly in, in, in need of a father. <laughs> utterly in need of help to become Christ-like because I still am walking in sin. We're going to talk about that too. So the goal is that we become Christ-like. The baseline is we're not there yet, which implies we have this journey or this process of becoming like Christ. Amen? We good with all that? So, since we brought up sin, it's important to recognize a lot of times when we start thinking about repentance, we're thinking, I got to repent from, I think we typically think of it as an event. Does this make sense? Like at salvation, we repented, Right? We repented and were sorry for our sin. We accepted his forgiveness, received Christ as our Savior. He comes lives in our heart, makes us alive in Christ. And I've, I've heard even Bill say, most people repent, believers repent enough to get saved, but not enough to see the kingdom. So I think we think of it as an event and then we'll have these different events where it's like I had a bad week or I blew it this week and some, you know, sin or some secret sin or whatever it is. And I'm like, I've got I've to repent. I'm sorry for my sin. And we see it as this sorrowful expression at the altar, which is still kind of an event-based type of mentality. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not entirely the whole picture of what repentance is, nor sin. Because we still associate sin as these, you know, the seven deadly sins, right? The lust and uh, gre- uh, greed and whatever the other five are, right? <laughs> like, typically, we associate them with whatever is common in our society today. Like, these types of sins, whatever they are. So, that's kind of, I think we, we have a, almost a, if, if I can say it like this, and this might offend some of us, I'm sorry if it does, but it's just it's kind of true. It's, this is a kindergarten version of repentance. It's like the first rung of the ladder in the invitation to get into heaven and actually see the whole picture of what he has for us, everything he died for us to have on the cross. This is like step one in the "I'm sorry, I have this event, I want to repent for this, you know, big sin in my life." It's all true. It's just not the rest of the story. Because if we unpack sin, you guys good? We, I told you we're kind of going quick. Are you with me? Okay. So if we unpack the word sin, it means to miss the mark. It's not necessarily just the seven deadly sins or whatever major, you know, uh, vice that we're dealing with. It means to miss the mark. What's the mark? Sunday school answer. Jesus. Jesus is the mark. What was the goal? That we become Christ like. That's the goal. That's the mark. That's the measuring stick. You remember I spoke this a few weeks ago or a month ago or something? He's the measuring stick. He's what we're measuring ourselves against. He's, he's the mark. So sin is actually missing the mark. It's not just the big things that we typically think of when we think of sin and whatever box we have there, it's actually all the things. It's all his ways, it's all his behaviors, it's all his actions, it's how he thinks, it's how he dreams. You see, repentance is, while sorrowful, you know, alter expression is a facet of repentance, in its definition, it means, it's the Greek word metanoia, which means to change one's thinking. So, I was just watching Michael Koulianos thing the other day, and he says, he says, repentance isn't being sorry. It's actually changing. Like, I can't be sorry enough to change. I actually have to change. And repentance is to change one's thinking. And if, when you start unpacking and diving into a lot of the uh, epistles, you know, you start learning where, where Paul talks about, in fact, we'll, we'll read it if you want to go to Corinthians 10... Let's go to 2 Corinthians ten, three. He says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they're divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are therefore destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I'm not going to dive super deep into this, but the gist of it is this. There are strongholds and belief systems and mindsets that we all have. And the war that we are fighting is actually within those mindsets and strongholds, not in the natural, with people. Not with typical weapons. It's actually, it's in the thought life and the strongholds and the mindsets and the belief systems. Therefore, how he tells you how we do it, therefore... We're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Who? Christ, Christ the goal. <laughs> he's the goal. Yeah. He, he's, he's, he's the marker, right? That's, that's what we're supposed to be looking like, acting like, thinking like, believing like, dreaming like. So here he, here he tells us, like, this is why it's important. It's not what, it's, the problem isn't as big of a deal as the, what we think about the problem. Right, that Steve Backlin would say, "What I think about this circumstance is a bigger deal than the circumstance itself, wow. because my thinking is going to produce." We learn, you'll learn in James, that my thinking is going to produce my behaviors. Show me what you believe without your faith; I'll show you my what I believe by my. Uh, what is it? Show me your faith without your actions, and I'll show you my faith by my actions. That your actions and behaviors actually are the product of what your belief system says. You're getting a lot of teaching real quick, I know. And what what your belief systems may also be not what you think. There's core belief systems. And if we, the invitation, when we have an invitation to repentance is, will I change the way I think? Will I change the way I believe in order to have a different expression or a different uh, um, 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 fruit? So if repentance then is changing the way I think, it's, 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 it's so that I can become more Christ-like. It's Romans twelve two, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be not conformed to the ways of the world. It's, uh, it's Hebrews 4, 2. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us. We've heard the good word just as they did also, but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith to those who had heard. What does that mean? Indeed, we have had good news preached to us, but they also. So we've all heard the good news, but it did not profit them. In other words, it did not prevail in their life because it was not united or commingled or assimilated with faith, which is conviction or assurance. So we all hear the same word, how does it play out different in each of our lives? It depends on if we're going to co-labor or co-mingle our faith, our conviction with that word to see it prevail and show up in our life as a fruit. This is the process of repentance that when I change the way I think, so I receive, I feel conviction, right, the Lord, hey, so I had this vision this morning and it was like I kind of saw, saw myself standing at a table and the Lord was standing on the other side, and on the table were all the aspects of my life. All means all I heard that today, right there. All the aspects of my life. It was all things. It was my behaviors, my thoughts, my characteristics, my gifts, my callings, my parenting, my, my being a husband, how I lead, how I follow, how I dream, how I see all the pieces of my life. And the Lord is on the other side, and I felt like there was this invitation for us as a people, will we lay our whole life out for the Lord yes, yes, yes. and give him permission to say, Let's, let me give you feedback about this one. Yeah. This one isn't like quite the way I think. I think more like this. You see, when we start unpacking repentance and the invitation of the journey of becoming Christ-like, it's not an event It's a lifestyle. This is a lifestyle. It's a day-to-day, moment-to-moment, I mean like minute-to-minute sometimes, where I'm hearing the Lord and I'm feeling the conviction or the confrontation where he says, nope, remember I talked to you about this. Here's that moment in your life where this is pointing to that. You believe this. So this happened recently where the Lord's talking to me about fear. And he's like... Yeah, Dan, when you, get, when, you, when, you, when you feel fear, you react to the fear, and it causes you to sin. We're not talking about bad sin. We're talking about, I don't look like Jesus anymore. I miss the mark. When you react to fear, because I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm like, now I have this invitation as I'm going through my day-to-day, and I feel the fear in some situation, there's an invitation Oh, there it is. Okay, don't react. Don't okay. Don't react. <laughs> don't don't do what is going to be my go-to to do because this is what I've done. I'm repenting in this moment. I need to change the way I think. Oh, you're inviting me into something else. I get to trust you. Then I'm going to choose to trust you. And if I choose to trust you here, then I'm going to act like I trust you in my life. And behave according to what I heard you breathe on. And when I believe, when I behave according to what, he, uh, what I heard him uh, give me feedback on whatever. When I begin to co labor with Him, okay. the power of heaven, actually, the grace of heaven that's empowered me to be something different than I could before, shows up and causes transformation. You see, I wrote this in these notes today here. One second. He did not die to make us a victim. He didn't die to give us a life where we were powerless. He actually empowered us with the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead to become and be something we could never have been on our own. And it only happens through Jesus. But it happens through Jesus. In other words, it happens. So there's, there, there, we can't, we don't have the liberty or the privilege to live a life of this discrepancy that says God's perfect and I never will be and I don't ever actually experiencing anything better than what I am right now. That can't be the case. He died so that I could have his life. That means I have an invitation to become like him. And that journey and that process has to do with me. It's it's where we cry out for things that he's already given us. Right. Like God will not violate your free will to make you hungry. That's right. Wow. That's right. Wow. He, you good. Wow. he <laughs> ash. Like he won't violate your free will to make you hungry. That's an inside job. Yeah. Yes. God died so you would have abundant life. Happiness is an inside job. He died for you to have joy. Will we experience it and and receive it? Because I can choose not to. I can repent enough to be saved, but not enough to actually see the kingdom. And the kingdom is a whole invitation to a lifestyle that's a lifestyle like Jesus. In fact, it's a bigger deal. In fact, when Jesus got baptized and went into the wilderness and came back and started his public ministry, the very first words out of his mouth, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change the way you think, because the kingdom of heaven is right in front of you, and unless you change this, you won't see this. This is the invitation to experience the life that Jesus died for us, not just know it exists or think it's going to be somewhere in the by and by. It's actually meant to be experienced now. In fact, if we don't experience it now and be transformed, then the city and the environments that we find ourselves in also won't be transformed. Because transformed people transform culture. So then we've been in this journey... Is that, is that helpful? We got kind of some baseline. We talked about repentance, a little bit more of clarity around sin. Now, now, now how are we applying this? So we've been in this season where we're reminding, re-minding ourselves of our foundations that are in our foundations, just as Bethel Atlanta. We, as we've been go- doing this, there's been this invitation personally. Like I've been on a journey in the last like 9, nine to 12 months where the Lord's constantly like, Reminding me of who I am. Like I'm having an encounter with the Lord, and He takes me back to a place, and you know, 12, 15 years ago, and He says, Remember when I anointed you here? And I'm like, I know, I forgot. And I have an invitation to remind myself so that I can start behaving as He once called me instead of being succumbed to an environment or circumstances or whatever the strongholds are in a region. Instead of succumbing to that, I start, I start submitting myself to the kingdom Amen. and responding to who, what he said and being who he said I am. And so I've been in this journey of the Lord constantly reminding me of my foundations. What I came from, where I was, how he developed me, what encounters I had. So there's been kind of a, it's been an interesting journey as we've been going as Bethel Atlanta, revisiting our foundations. And I know we've been speaking about this and Lauren has mentioned it, that it's not just been a corporate journey as Bethel Atlanta, but an individual journey as Bethel Atlanta too, as part of the family, right? So that's kind of a little bit of your your, your charge or your exhortation is is how are we growing or how are we allowing the Lord to revisit our foundations and and wake things up that maybe we've put dormant to sleep? And how are we now co-laboring with that in repenting in the, ah, you've called me to be like this and I've been like this and he's confronting me because I'm missing the mark and so I I have to adjust the way I think. This is moment-to-moment, moment, guys, like moment-to-moment. Moment. We're, we're, this, this key of repentance has to be a lifestyle, and if it can be a lifestyle, then we repent quick and we repent often. And am I sorrowful and sorrowful and sorry? Oh, absolutely. I'm sorry for the, the miss. I broke his heart. I'm not walking out in the, in the glory that he died for me to have. But I'm also not in a place where I'm living in something for 15 years and now I'm like a mess on the floor. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you're, you're, you're repenting quick and you're repenting often, so you're not building it up. The Lord's confronting you and you're like, I'm confrontable. Wow. Like, tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more any moment. So it has to be this, this lifestyle. So we're invited. So So just kind of recapping a little bit of things that we've been hearing about us as a Bethel Atlanta that we as a body have been repenting to of like, oh, that's right, we're a supernatural people. (laughs) Shoot. What are we doing about that? How are we responding to who we are and who's in our history? That's right. We hear the Lord's voice. We run and obey. We're people of risk. We're people, we're dreamers. We're people who... Uh, uh, put the Lord, Lord's word on our mouth as a decree, we reign, we govern our life, we're leaders, we're pioneers, we're family, we're radical worshipers. We hear the voice of God. We are a people of hunger. It's in our foundation. But s- saying it is the beginning, now responding accordingly is to finish it. Like I have to change. If I'm a person of hunger, I can remember that that's in my foundation. Now I have to do something to activate that hunger now. What am I doing now to activate the hunger that I once hungered because I was starving. Now I have to hunger even when I'm full. Well, that's a different place to be. And what am I doing about that? There has to be a co-laboring. We carry responsibility. We carry a portion. He died for us to have it, but he's not going to force himself on us. Whether it's what I say, did I really only get to one of those points? Hunger. He will not violate your free will to make you hungry. He won't violate your free will to make you generous. Wow. Like, he's already made you generous because the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in you. Amen. And you are in the in likeness and image of your father. But now it's your choice. It's up to you as a choice to behave accordingly. Will you be who he said you are and given you? He won't violate your free will to make you kind. Like, that's, that's my responsibility. Or Courageous. Like, he's made you brave. Now it's your choice to be courageous. (laughs) In other words, fear's not going away. I have to actually step up and push through anyway, which is a choice that I have to step into, that as a son, as someone who's carrying his spirit, as someone who is made in the likeness and image of my father, I now have the grace, because of him, to actually be who he said I am and respond and show up in my life, and then now people experience me as courageous. Not because of anything I did. Not because of my personality or because I'm an eight or because I'm a jerk or anything. <laughs> but simply because I believed God and the power of God transforms our life. Oh, yeah. That he shows up in our life yeah. only because of him. Yeah. It cannot happen without him. Because if it is, then it's works and it carries no power nor, sus- nor sustainability. Wow. The kingdom of heaven doesn't consist in words but in Power. So, this, so so here we are, like I said, there's, there's Bethel Atlanta's been on this journey. We're repenting as Bethel Atlanta, reminding ourselves that where we've missed the mark. Let's look at it. You know, in order to do this, here's like a touch on this real quick. In order to do this, first and foremost, we have to realize we're not perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I know we kind of touched on that with the Jesus thing, but, but it still pains when we hear areas in our life that we're not measuring up. Doesn't it? It still hurts. And I have to be okay with the fact that I'm not there in order to even embrace or receive him saying, hey, I'm calling you higher. I, I actually have to be okay. And it's a challenge. I had a conversation with my son this week, and I'm like, man, it kills me that I'm not perfect. Because I've given my life to be something as a dad. I never have had. And I've swung the pendulum so far. And I know I'll never be perfect, but it still hurts when I see where I'm not measuring up. Especially when I gave my life to be something. And I've made miles difference. I mean, light years. <laughs> and yet, it still hurts that uh, I still have areas to grow. I have to be okay with even looking at that in my life in order for me to receive the Lord's grace to become what he died for me to have. To receive the correction. To receive the information. To then change the way I think and think like he thinks in whatever that situation is. And then behave according to how he is saying. To see it actually outwork that I become an even better dad than I was five years ago than Even though five years ago was light years than what I was twenty years ago. So, here's your here's our here's our charge. Our charge is this. My charge for us is this: catch yourself, catch yourself thinking, catch yourself feeling. And catch yourself behaving. That might look like, you middle of work day, I'm driving to work, whatever. Catch yourself for a second. Where's my thought life right now? Lord, come in. Is this, I'm on the table. Is, is, am I thinking the way you're thinking about this situation? And if not, how would you think about that situation? How do I invite myself or how do I adjust my belief system or my thinking to match yours about this? But you got to catch yourself. If, you're not, if we're not used to this or accustomed to this, man, life just happens. It's just like just going a train going down a track and we have no idea where it's going or how it's getting there. But we eventually get there. And next thing you know, I'm cooking dinner and getting ready for kids' bed and starting over again in the morning. Jesus didn't die for us to have a powerless life. He died for us to have a powerful one. We're not victims to anything going on around us. Things happen to us, but it's our choice what we get to do with it. And what I believe about any of those circumstances or situations is going to be all the difference and all where the rubber meets the road, Corinthians 10.3, that's where the war is. When I think about it, I'm taking those thoughts captive to Christ, catching myself thinking, catching myself feeling, having feelings. When I get like all the butterflies, I remember... Um, uh, I was speaking in a church in, in a uh, conference one time, and, and you know, I meet people and, and usually kind of get together, like, I, I'll hear the Lord while I'm meeting the people, and I'll kind of get, okay, this is kind of what you're speaking and what they, they're, that's the mess this is the message that they're going to need to hear. That's kind of how I develop the messages. And so, It was like Friday night. It was 4 o'clock, and I was speaking at 7, and I didn't have the message for the next three days for the conference. (laughs) I had no idea what I'm going to talk about. (laughs) And I got all these butterflies and all this, like, fear. Like, I'm scared. I'm, like, feeling these feelings. And I'm like, ah, and I catch myself. And I remember, has the Lord ever let you down? No, testimony. No, he's never let me down. Has he always delivered the word? Yes, he's always delivered the word. Do I have anything to fear of him coming through? Is he faithful? He's always been faithful. I have nothing to fear. And so I, it didn't fix the feelings, guys. That's usually what we're trying to fix, I know, but that's not, it's not the point the, that's actually not what we're supposed to be fixing if fixing my head. <laughs> so I'm like, once I got my head straight, I was actually able to sit in and embrace the feelings of the fear. Oh, let it ride. I'm scared. But I know he'll come through because he always does. And 30 minutes before the message during worship, I got all of them. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, this is tonight's message, the three messages for tomorrow and Sunday's message. I'm like, it all came. It didn't change the feelings. But the feelings were an indicator of something. Of I'm scared, and when, I scare, get, when I'm afraid, typically I react, and that's not a good place for me. So I need to actually step back. That was my invitation To catch myself, ooh, okay, what's happening, Lord? What are you saying? An invitation to uh, live a different, co-labor with him and experience him showing up the way he wants to show up rather than me responding or reacting in error. Does that make sense? So catch yourself thinking, catch yourself feeling, catch yourself behaving. Catch yourself doing in actions, whatever it is. I mean, just catch yourself in the middle of it and be like, whoa, is this... Am I acting the way Jesus would act in this situation? Right? Am I behaving the way he would behave in this interaction? And, and, and here's where it's important that we go back to the root, which is the thinking, because if I try to fix the behavior without fixing the thinking, well, then I become work partnering with works. Now, now, now it's just a works of my own. I'm just changing behavior. Just so that, and that's really performance. I'm just changing this so it feels or experiences better here, but I'm not fixing the problem. The problem is, I have a belief system that was causing those behaviors to show up anyway. So, what is the thinking? What is the belief system? And I talk, I'm back at the table again. Lord, help me. What, what, how am I thinking here that's causing that behavior there? Show me. Shine some light in here. Reveal yourself to me. How would you think about this situation? And it's hard, guys. It's hard because we've got a life and a history and, and lots of experience. And, and he's like, well, this is how I would re- re- think about it. And I'm like, well, that, that like, con- contradicts everything I've ever experienced. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've got stories. I could find verses if you ask me long enough. <laughs> and he's like, I don't, I don't care. This, you asked me how I would think in this situa- situation. This is how I think in this situation. Will you repent? Will you change? Just because I have a different experience doesn't mean he has to change and morph to me. I have a different experience because I have believed, faltered, had a falter belief. Fault, what is the word? Faulty, Faulty belief. belief, thanks. I had, I had a misconception of the way he functions and operates. And usually it's attributed to pain, which sinks itself into a real experience and says, no, I this is so real, my truth is so real, and it's a real experience, there's no doubt, but it still doesn't trump his capital T truth. And when I can repent to that, it will break me free of that, and I'll have a different experience and walk more in the likeness of who he is. So our challenge, my challenge to you guys is, catch yourself thinking, catch yourself feeling, catch yourself behaving, Ask the Lord, invite him into your process to give you feedback on it. And then change the way you think, adjust your behavior, and watch what happens. Guys, stand. Let's stand. Just Put your hands out. Lord we, just, Lord, we just thank you. I thank you. I thank you for your never-ending grace. your never-ending grace. It's just overwhelming come on. because we absolutely need it. Lord, just, I, I invite you to come into our lives and at the table with all our lives on the table and, and poke around. Call us higher. Call us nearer. Lord, I just release a a courage in the room to look at our stuff and be okay with our flaws in order to invite you to come in to, to, to heal them, to bring us into a new level of life. We just release that courage in the room, Lord, and I just thank you for the grace in the room to do it. And Lord, I just release the ears to hear your voice because without your voice, we can't go on this journey. We cannot go on this journey. I'm speak, preaching a little bit here. We can't go on this journey without the voice of the Lord because if his voice isn't on it, there's no grace on it. It can't be our own idea. It has to be the voice of the Lord. So we just release that as well, Lord. And I thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.